Derek, we are back, my friend. We are, buddy. We're back. We're, we're here. Yeah, I see a shirt that you're wearing right now. What? What's that shirt? Oh god! Oh, this shirt. Yeah, well, it's got a. Uh, it says Abel Baker brewing on it. Have Abel you heard Baker. of that? I, I. Well, you know what? I'm actually wearing an Abel Baker hat right. Oh my god! Believe it or not. Believe it or not. And there's a reason, Derek, that we have our Abel Baker gear on today. Not that we don't wear it, you know, frequently, but specifically today, we both came rocking Abel Baker because guess what? What? We got a cool, cool guest today. Quack. <laughs> <laughs> we have a fantastic guest today. His name it's is Manos. It's the designer of the shirts. Well, <laughs> we're going to have to confirm that, man. But you know what? We're excited. So I don't even want to talk to you anymore. Let's just let this thing roll. Let's do it. Hi, my name is Stu Hawk, and this is my podcast about all the weird, crazy, Spooky things that scare me and my guests, and the one thing that helps us forget all about them. Ladies and gentlemen, beer freaks. Manos, welcome to the show, man. I got to tell you, this is special for Derek and I because it is. Abel Baker is one of our favorite breweries of all time. Mm -hmm. And that's saying something because you guys have only been around for a couple of years. So welcome. Tell us where, where did Abel Baker come okay, from and, yep. and tell us about the duck. Yeah. So um, the story of Abel Baker is actually pretty cool. So when we were brewing in the garage, like we talked about before, once we started making enough and people seemed to be excited about it, we knew we had a a, a brand and not a hobby. And, and roughly what year was that? God, this would have been 2000. 13. Okay. Wow. Um, you know, so we, we knew we had the idea. We wanted to turn it into a brewery and mm -hmm. turn it into a business. So we're like, Hey, we got to name this thing, you know? Yep. And th this is actually a little bit before this is more like 2012. And, uh, so I'm, I'm kind of the creative guy with writing the blurbs and doing the artwork and different things. And, um, so I'm thinking, I'm like, okay, we got to get this right. And the one thing that, that I had in my mind was I felt at the time, and this is almost 10 years ago now that Nevada had a really bad reputation for beer. Sure. And yep. I thought within that, that a lot of the breweries uh, that were around weren't really owning being from Nevada. Sure. And I didn't know if that was on purpose. Maybe it was just, hey, I named this after my family or I did mm -hmm. this or that. But no one had really said, hey, we're from Nevada. We're owning it. We're going to make great yep. beer. Like, come to Nevada to get it. And I wanted that to be a part of the brand. So I was struggling with it, like mm -hmm. what to call it. Uh, you know, gambling, brewing. Uh, how yeah. cheeky did I want to get? Sure. And I had a buddy who's a police officer who actually brought me a couple old copies of Las Vegas Review Journal articles. And in there, the major portion of the two magazines were articles about the atomic testing and the mm -hmm. Nevada test site. And he goes, here, you love to read. Read through this. Maybe you'll find some inspiration. So sat down, and these things were I mean, they're from, they were old and I'm reading through them. And, and in the course of the reading, I found that the first two atomic tests conducted at Nevada test site were called bomb Abel and mm. bomb Baker. Nice. So in my mind, I'm like, okay, first of all, that's super easy to say. <laughs> yeah. Abel Baker. It, it rolls right off your tongue. It's amazing. It sounds all American. It's yep. not confusing. Yep. It's not going to scare anybody. Yep. Second of all, if anybody ever builds their draft beer list alphabetically, it's going to be really uh, hard yeah. for Abel Baker not Brilliant. to be number one. So oh, it's at the top of the list. Brilliant. And then technically brewing beer is a lot like baking. So saying someone's an Abel Baker oh, means that man. they're proficient at their craft. Mm. So we're Abel beer bakers. Absolutely. So I, I really liked it. And I was like, that's great. So we settled on it. And then in doing the research after that, I found out the story about the duck. So uh, here I'll tell that. And I'm going to 
everybody pause. I'm going to take a, a bad story and I'm going to turn it good. <laughs> cool. So when they did all this atomic testing at the Nevada test site, they basically needed to know what would happen to soldiers. Sure. So for about 16 years, they took chickens, cows, rats, pigs, goats, mice, cockroaches out there, and they blew them up because mm. they needed to know what would happen. Yep. And in the history of all that testing, only one animal ever survived. And it was a duck. Damn. And this is real. Yeah, like, true. Because yeah. I've heard it's like, I heard that story was like a myth with Wait, the duck. But that's like legit. So not even the cockroaches survived it? No. Um, Whoa, ducks. So, so we took the atomic symbol, put it behind the duck, yeah. and we called him the atomic duck. He kind of became our brand mascot and ambassador. Yeah. And we cool. used him as a symbol of perseverance and good fortune. Hell that yes. is awesome, yeah. man. Fantastic. Just a great story and a lot of purpose, like a yeah. lot of purpose. That's fantastic. Hey, thank you, man. Appreciate that. That's kind words and aloha. Uh, thanks for having me on. It's truly appreciated. Uh, getting to your point real quick, though, a couple of years. Yeah, kind of. But I love that. And we were talking a little bit off air about sitting at a bar and listening to people, you know, talk about you or talk yeah. about your product uh, and, and how kind of strange, creepy slash cool that could be. Uh, that's another thing I hear a lot. Like, I'll be out and people will order an atomic duck and they'll be like, wow, this new beer, this yeah, new beer yeah. that I've never had before. It's amazing. And in my mind, I'm always like, it's 2021. I brewed that beer in my garage in 2011. That's a long time ago. So it seems like it's just here. Yeah. But but trust me, man, there's been a lot of blood, sweat, and tears from a lot of really smart and hardworking people to get this thing done. So to your point, road. the uh, the the tap room is what really people, they see it as a uh, like a vanity piece. Like, oh, yeah. you know, now we have a big sign. Now we have a green silo. Yep. Now we're here. Now that didn't open until... Uh, September of 2019. Yeah. And then when you lose a year to COVID, basically, uh, it does make it seem brand new because it really hasn't been there. Yeah. So uh, it, I, I love the newness of it because yeah. that keeps things fresh and cool. And then in my mind, sometimes I'll go back to old beer festivals. Another thing we were talking about is <laughs> like, guys, that was that seven years ago? Bre- and brewing yeah. the beer in your garage, hey. man. Tell Okay. Can you tell the story? Because you told us right before the show, you showed up at a beer festival with beer from your garage. That's yeah. A- that's amazing though, because that's like it's organic, it's raw, it's real. Like this is it, man. That's how that's how it's done. Yeah, and and that's really you know at the time, uh, you know, we really didn't know any better. Yeah. We were making beer, and uh, we wanted to amp up how we were making it. So at the you know most home brewers brew in five gallon batches. Yeah. You can actually make it on your stove, and uh, even if your beer is awful, which a lot of home brew is sometimes. Oh, I've, I've had that experience. Yeah, I tried. My own personal home brews have been terrible sometimes. It's easy to drink five gallons of anything, man. <laughs> yeah. We can put some cinnamon in this, and it'll make it good. And you only got to drink two bottles of it, and it's gone. You're like, perfect. Yeah. Well, we were brewing 55 gallons at a time. Ooh, and uh, so we were giving it away, throwing mm. it away, just trying to really learn how to make the beer. Yeah. And uh, as we had made a decent amount of it, word got out that we had kegs. And yeah. uh, we got invited to a beer festival, and, and we actually brought the kegs, um, not being cognizant of some stuff and uh you know wound up uh getting some exposure from it and it's just strange because you know today if we got invited to a, to do beer festivals which we do you know we we make special beers for them we plan so far ahead you know we have a game plan for it yeah. and then we were just so giddily excited about being able to go and 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 participate that that was really the focus and yeah. there's some charm in that too man oh, you know you know sure. what i mean when when you got your your homebrew keg you know and yeah. you got it and you're carrying it into the festival oh, you know yeah. and you're doing your own thing and it's like your first big like splash uh, the, the charm of that is, is it's enticing. It's hypnotizing. And, uh, not that, not that it, it goes away because I'm passionate about beer and what we do. It's just that festival was, uh, completely unique and I still remember it. Mm, what, that, what, that's what, awesome, man. So when you guys brought that out there, 
did you i mean you guys were called out as like one of the top uh beers top five yeah right? no we we had uh and i know you guys just did a show with with bob barnes yep. as well so bob. uh man bob kudos to him man one of my really good friends i love that guy and uh at the first couple beer festivals we did you know we when we were home brewing we were never really part of the homebrew culture so we didn't we weren't part of snafu we weren't mm. we weren't competing in homebrew competitions we weren't doing pro-ams we were basically just brewing for the art of brewing you just know enjoying it self-indulgent just, yes yeah. were, were you were you getting high on your own supply in uh, that case a hundred percent a hundred that was the best part of it and, and like i said it, it, a lot of people they laugh now when they come into the brewery you know the 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 first part of the chalkboard one through eight are all these huge double digit oh, abv yeah. beers Beasts. and everyone's like oh we live in las vegas how can you serve me a 14 percent beer when it's 112 degrees and i'm like because that's a homebrew recipe man yeah. if i'm brewing in my garage and it's 110 degrees guess what i'm not not brewing a 3.8 percent pilsner hell no it ain't worth it you want to you want to feel your work man (laughs) you know it i get a lot more bang for my buck doing a 12 percent dark beer and and keeping it around for a while so that's it translated because we kept some great recipes that we had and then all those strong beers are on the board and they're not going anywhere because they're some of the best beers we make they're They're so good your your list is impressive because like when we go there it's like at least what 15 roughly on the border your guys and i know you guys source some you guys have some other breweries from around here which is awesome you know the the rising tide raises all ships sort mm-hmm. of like local scene that's great but out of the beers that you have on draft there all of them are good several of them are freaking great like and not many breweries can say that that's that's why i love abel baker so much i mean there's there's other places i've been to your point that, yeah, it's like, oh, they have, you know, 10. And I'm like, oh, I kind of like four. Yeah, yeah. You know, like Abel Baker, you just, it's like, crap, I really want that one again. I want that one again. Uh, I want that one again. Crap, I don't know. I don't know what to get. Yeah. So so have we sucked up to you enough yet? I mean. Yeah. Uh, no, it's- <laughs> literally, it's, it's, it's perfect. But I mean, to that point, though, that's the one thing where when we talk about seeming so new. The reason, I mean, we have, so we have 33 taps at the, at the, at the tap room. And like you said, 15 or 17, we're up to like 27 of our own beers now on wow. tap. And I'll be honest with you. I've been to other breweries and I'm a beer fan yeah. and gone to their brewery and barely been able to build a flight yeah. from their own beers yeah. and been like, okay, I just flew here or drove here or yeah. drove here, did whatever to get here. And I can make a five beer flight. And now I've tasted it everything this brewery has on tap <laughs> yeah. um, not not that that's a terrible thing but at our place the one thing you are going to get is i, I think a, a quality uh, lineup that's also deep yep. and we have 27 26 of our own beers on tap regularly oh. right now and a uh, pretty wide variety too we go from everything like i said uh, the double barrel chris kellen paledales on tap very frequently and it's 14 and a half percent abv all the way down to something like uh you know a really sessionable sour like the pineapple yeah. kapow pow that we're drinking on right now and i love that you say it's sessionable at 5.2 mm-hmm. percent yeah. which it, i'm i'm with you man because when you have a session that's like 3.5 percent i'm like what's the point dude yeah. I'll like, drink water today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 5.2, that's a session for me. That's, I'm, that's I'm like, and, and you know what? I got to tell you, too, because we cracked these uh, pineapple kapow pows before the show. I'm actually on my second already. Pre-game, I'm I like session that. It. I'm session it. I like session. that. It's a session. Yeah. Okay? Uh, it, I'm not a huge sour fan. Anyone will tell you. If you listen to the show, you know I'm not a big sour fan most of the time. But this one's easy drinking, man. Oh. This one's good. It feels good. good. It feels good. Yeah. I get I get really bad heartburn from sours. Yeah. Yeah. I, I sound like I'm an 80-year-old. 
but uh, but I do. And uh, in this one, like, I mean, not at all. Easy this peasy. is this is so nice, man. Yeah, so. but something that's really cool about this beer too is, uh, and that's a funny thing about craft beer drinkers too. You know, I'm around craft beer drinkers all the time. We think a session session beer start at seven percent. Like, oh, this is totally sessionable. This IPA is delicious. It's only seven point two. I'm like, yeah, I get it. You know, yeah, sure. But uh, generally around five for me, I consider yeah, sessionable. Yeah. But this one, um, part of the reason it's probably not upsetting your stomach as much is uh, there's a lot of science going on in the craft beer community right now. So this beer is actually brewed with uh, kind of a, a scientific side to it. It's brewed with a yeast called Sauravacea yeast, okay. which is a, a, a modified version of the Saccharomyces cerevisiae yeast that is normally used in brewing beer. Mm. So basically what it does is it's been modified to produce lactic acid. To create uh, a sour profile okay. without having to make a kettle sour, Whoa. without having to do an open fooder or a mixed culture and let the environment kind of sour it out. So it's genetically designed to produce a sour flavor. It's only been on the market for a little bit, but it's a game changer community-wise probably for the brewing industry in another Probably two years, you'll probably never see another kettle sour made uh, again. This kind of style is going to kill that style. So, so is that the re- like the kettle sours? Like, is that the reason Derek is getting heartburn from like the not not as good sour beers, or is he just a sissy? No, no, no. It's it's probably a combination of both. Oh, thank you. Uh, <laughs> it it's, sounds fair. I think the That's third. Okay. I think the third thing would be he has his shirt on. If his shirt was off, his well, stomach wouldn't be upset. <laughs> you know what? I'm, I was thinking about fair changing too. the logo of the show to that picture behind Derek. Dude, you, your your viewership's going to go up, man. <laughs> yeah, it's going to go up. If it's well, really about eyeballs or earballs or whatever you want to call it, like that's going to help. We are looking for the sixty to you know ninety demographic. <laughs> that's one way to get them. I, I think that'll get them. No, you look good in that picture, <laughs> yeah. man. Thanks, I just man. love that you have a shirtless picture of yourself in the bar. It's fantastic. Well, there's two there. <laughs> it's two of them actually. Yeah, fantastic. Give me the credit. You know, perfect. But yeah, this will this will this will solve a lot of those problems. And not that kettle sours are bad. It's just a different way of making beer. Yeah. And uh, this is just I've been saying it for a while. You know, the craft beer industry it moves so fast. Things are always changing. The really the only thing that kind of stays static is the fact that people love IPAs. Sure. The, the quote is everybody asks what's the next IPA going to be, be, and the answer is always an IPA. An IPA. Yeah. Um, a variation of the IPA. Exactly. Like, and I don't think. Hazy. that's going to change the, the hazy was like the biggest innovation that happened i mean i don't even know when that started probably started taking off in like what 2017 2016 yeah, it's been going around for a while now uh and it, it's one of those things and i'll tell this story all the time i'll tell it to you guys too uh you know i'm a bar and restaurant guy i've been doing this for a long time before i uh started the brewery i ran a bar consulting business and the two things i've probably been the most wrong about that that i used to love to speak on because if you can't tell i have no problem talking um <laughs> was uh, when i first got to vegas i was really i understood the the bottle service industry and where it was going and nightclubs and the whole purpose of it and back then it was really about real estate like oh okay you know i'm going to get this bottle so i can sit right next to the stage because i want to see nine inch nails or i want to see tiesto you know i want to be here it was about real estate and as it transitioned into just paying for the bottle Mm -hmm. to have the right to be in there and to get a booth and your booth might be upstairs or around the corner by the bathrooms but you're still paying 700 dollars for a bottle of gray goose and it wasn't about real estate it was about the price of the bottle i was like this isn't going to last this bottle service thing is going to crash and burn and then all these nightclub uh, entities started coming in and designing their nightclubs designed around how many bottle service tables they could get i'm like this is going to collapse it's going to fall apart I'm 100% wrong. It's uh, <laughs> I don't get it, by the way. I, I I'm don't totally get it with you. 
But when when you, know. when you can when you buy a bottle of Tito's at the club for six, seven, eight hundred dollars, and you can go get it at the store for thirty bucks, like economically, makes no sense to me. My my brain blows up when I look at those prices. Like, how is this possibly worth it? But it's then insane. again, I've been married since I was twenty four, so like, I, I'm not trying to impress anybody anymore. This doesn't matter. Okay, so I guess if you're single. It kind of makes sense. But. Hey, but I was totally wrong. And then when the hazy thing came out, same thing. Yeah. I am a, I'm in a West Coast aficionado, man. Sure. I sure. want enough, I want enough hops in my beer and I want it bitter enough that it melts the enamel off my Hell teeth. Like yes. that's my drive. I don't care if I can see through it or not. I just want it bitter and piney. And that's what I enjoy. Yep. Um, so when the haze train started to come and everything was very sweet and it was very fluffy, yep. I was like, okay. Choo choo. That's yeah, my ex- train. Exactly. That's my train. <laughs> hey, look, I, I, I like I, a hazy. You know, yeah. when after, you know, okay, so one of my favorite IPAs uh, is West Coast IPA. Um, you love those. By man. Green Flash. Uh, great. It's a very hoppy beer. Now, if I have like two or three of those, then it's almost like, all right, maybe something to mellow out a little bit with. But I, once you have an IPA, you can't go away from an IPA because now your palate's just kind of like hosed for the night, right? So like that's why I like the hazies because it kind of like offsets a little bit. But that's just me. That's that's my thought process on it. I, I was just like surprised that they had gotten that it was a, it was a sweeter, more juicy, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, f- fruit forward kind of flavor, and it was it was weird to me. So uh, I'm like, okay, I get it. You yeah. know, it, it's we're being innovative here. This is a, a trend. It's going to come, and it'll last a little bit, and then. It'll it'll go away. Sure. And this was three years ago. Yeah. So, a little known fact. I don't know if you know. I think we were Abel Baker was one of the last breweries in the country that had had been producing beer to put out a hazy IPA. Re- no yeah. kidding. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we we literally we we didn't do it for a long time. Um. You know, Randall, my my business partner, is a, a West Coast kind of guy too. And not that we didn't enjoy hazies. Yeah. We were just. I, I thought it was going to go away. You thought it was yeah. a flash in the pan. I really did. And uh, the longer it stuck and stayed, we, we it's one of those things where you look at your phone and you get a text message and you're like, oh, I should respond to this. Yeah. And then like three days later, you're like, I should get back to them. I'm, after I eat, I'm going to do this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then two weeks go by and you look at it and you're like, well, now what do I do? Well, now you can't. Like, <laughs> it's, it's, like, yeah. it's like when you've, you meet someone at the office, right? Yep. And you try to catch their name the first time, but you forget it immediately. Yep. And then you go like a week. And you keep calling them like, hey, dude, how's it going? You, but but the further you go, the less likely you are to do it. Because you can't be like six months into that relationship and be like, hey, dude, just by the way, I know we've had a couple of happy hours together, but what's your name? <laughs> That's why you introduce. You bring like a, a friend yeah. or a wife or a girlfriend like, hey, this is, you know, this is my wife so-and-so. And then yeah. boom, yeah, name. Yeah. 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 It's Part very of, obvious, though, to anyone who does that. Yeah, 100%. I'm just going to say that. Yeah, it is. But yeah. Anyway, so, so, yeah, I, I hear you on the hazies. I got to tell you the new thing that that... I can't stand though is the uh, the milkshake IPAs. I'm not. I am not a fan of like the milkshake style. I don't know if you guys are brewing any of those right now. Well, you know what we we adjusted to the hazy thing, and and like I said, it's not that I wasn't a fan. Yeah, I just didn't think it was sustainable, and then it became yeah. sustainable. And I'll tell you once again, like the bottle service stuff, I was yeah. wrong. Yeah, I think hazies are a permanent part of the craft beer landscape. It's yeah. not going away. Yeah, I think what you might see is it fall back a little bit to the breweries who do it really, really well, yeah. being known for it. But kudos to uh, you know my head brewer and and. You know, for us, for adjusting the stuff that we put out, and really, what forced us to do it was COVID. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. you know, we we were 
on the borderline, like, okay, we're looking at the phone going, all right, it's been a long time. You know, what do we do? Do we ask Tommy what his name is? Yeah. You know, and we're like, okay, we're going to do one. And then COVID kind of hit and we're like, okay, uh, now we got to package it. So now we got to own it. We got to create a brand. We've got to do these things. And, And we put the first one out. And uh, my brewer did such a great job of creating a recipe. It was fantastic. And uh, Quarantine Duck. Yeah, Quarantine and Duck. I love you it. You guys came out with that so fast, yep. by the way. Yep. I still remember, like, early in the quarantine, my wife brought home a four-pack of it. And I was like, what is this? I I, I mean, I, obviously, I already loved Abel Baker. But I was like, Quarantine Duck, how did they do this so fast? It was like April of last year? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it was like right after the shutdown started. It was. And, uh, you know, we knew we had to, to get it out. We knew we wanted to get it in package. We knew that was the perfect opportunity for us to yeah. say, hey, uh, you, you know, we haven't been in the hazy game, but check out what we can do. Yeah. And for lack of a better word, right then you had a captive audience. People yes. couldn't go out to bars. They couldn't go out and, and drink the things that they'd normally been drinking or maybe even come and, and only get the Abel Baker beers that they'd been known to have mm-hmm. and and go, ah, you know, next time I come, I'll try that new beer on the board. But yes. this time I'm getting Chris Kale and Peldale because I know I love it. <laughs> so we, we kind of had a captive audience and then we, we were pretty nimble with it and got it out and the reaction was so strong. Yeah. Rarely ever do all the entities come together, meaning – People within our organization, uh, the consumers that that shop, the distributors, uh, you know, the buyers all come back and shoot emails and text messages going, oh my, why haven't you guys been doing this? When's the next one coming? And we just all looked at each other and said, okay, you know, this is what people want. And the beer was great. And we started putting them out. And now we have a, uh, we have a line called uh, Of Balloons and Unicorns. Um, that's out there that I think we're on iteration number five. Nice. We've done several hazies and they're literally some of the most popular stuff that we do. And uh, you, you know, sometimes you just got to bend to the will of the people. Yeah. And as long as we're making a great beer <laughs> yep. and uh, we are, uh, and as long as I get to do things like I brought a can of uh, double dead duck. So as long as we still get to make our, our super bitter double West coast style and we have the best of both worlds, then, then I can get on the haze train. <laughs> as long as you can mix it up a little yeah, bit. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love the haze train, man. I'm not a, Big. I know you guys are big that's, IPA that's all right. guys. That's all right. I don't know. There's something about it that I can't do, which is fine, right? You well, you don't don't but sell yourself short. You can do. It. I can you just do prefer just, not to. Yeah, but I will say the hazies have got me to really enjoy the yeah. IPAs, yeah. and I think now, like I'm trying more just IPAs instead of the hazy. Yeah. Because now I'm getting, you know, like, oh, okay, this isn't it's, as bad. It's, it's a gateway IPA. It's a gateway and, IPA. And, and gateway. that's what the milkshake IPA was designed to do, too, mm. uh, was really be even more of a gateway. Yeah. So now you're taking a softer, fruitier, more accessible flavor profile yeah. of an IPA, and you're adding stuff like lactose sure. to make it more pillowy, sure. and you're adding fruit. Yeah. So now mm-hmm. you're getting eyeballs, and you're getting customers interested in that style that might not have ever touched it. Um, that's true. going on in a huge way in the sour side right now with people who never would have touched a kettle sour because yeah. mm-hmm. it would have been too lactic for them. It, would sure. have, it wouldn't be something they were interested in. And now, all of a sudden, they can get this sour, in quotations, that's full of blueberry juice and marshmallow fluff and cinnamon and and you know 12 pounds of mangoes and all these different things and it tastes like a smoothie from jamba juice yeah but it's a sour and it's it's getting them interested so on on my side as a true craft beer enthusiast and someone who loves the beverage industry i can't hate on that yeah because everyone who puts it in their mouth and wouldn't have put it in their mouth before you get a win and if that exposes the craft beer industry and we take we can take one more sale away from the big boys yes that's that's a win for small businesses it's a it's a win 
for local communities. It's a win for um, farm-to-table providers. Yep. Um, it, it's a win for everybody. So I can't be against it. And I try yeah. not to be a hater on stuff. <laughs> there is some stuff that, that I, I am a hater on and I always try to watch my mouth. But, um, but, but the milkshake IPAs were really the beginning of that. So um, the guy who actually came up with the milkshake IPA, the one of those things he did is the old expression from World War II: "Loose lips sink ships." And uh, he really was adamant. And it's one of it's it's a catch twenty two. Like, what do you do? You want the the style to propagate. You sure. want people to understand it. You want people to enjoy it. And on a selfish side, you want people to know that you're responsible for sure. it. Yep. So you talk about it. But you know what? Like my dad always told me, there's somebody out there bigger, stronger, better, smarter, faster. And there was a lot of people listening who went, hmm, mm. I can do that. And I think I could do it a little bit better. Sure. And basically took that style and 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 spread it. Yeah. And he lost this niche thing that people were driving for hundreds of miles away to get Whoa. and trading on the secondary market for ridiculous prices And because he taught everybody else how to do it. Wow. Now, as an educator or someone who believes in craft beer, that's awesome. Yeah. Share your knowledge. Yeah. Get it out there. But then you think, too, you know what? I mean, I don't think Bill Gates was in his, you know in his studio teaching people how to how to do the yeah. things he was doing when we were starting Microsoft like that's not something that he it's a, did it's a dangerous game to play it's a dangerous yeah. game yeah. to play and it got out there and that's really what happened to the milkshake IPA it, it kind of got diluted so do you think it got worse because it just got so widespread so quickly yeah i mean there's there's benefits to that the problem is and and this is what everybody says is going to be the crucible for the craft beer industry as it grows you know mm-hmm. we had 3000 craft breweries then we have 4000 5000 yeah. 6000 now 8000 the problem with that is not everybody's making great beer. No, no. And <clears throat> it, it gets to that tipping point where just going out and going, oh, I'm going to buy this because it's craft is cool. Yeah. But when somebody gets a bad product on the flip side and now craft's attached to it, it, it can weight yes. everybody down. And the not that everybody's not doing the best they can and everybody's not passionate about it. But when you go out and you have a bad beer, it, it, it affects everybody. It um, yes. Same way when you go out and you have a great beer, like – I'll find breweries I've never heard of. Uh, I mean, the first time I had anything from the Alchemist, mm. I didn't know where they were. They're way up in the in the Northeast. I'd never had any of their beers, and um, I didn't have uh, Heady Topper at first. I had Focal Banger. Yep. And I'd never had it. And I was like, oh, my goodness. Like, what is this? This is unbelievable. Yep. You know, it made me a fan of that whole area of beers. I went out and got Lawson's Finest Liquids and got Sip of Sunshine. Mm. I went out and got stuff from Two Roads. You know, I went out and oh, found, yeah. uh, you know, other things. Just that beer turned me on to like five states worth of, of breweries. <laughs> yeah. But the reverse can do the same thing, too. You know, you can go to a small town in Oklahoma and be like, hey, I'm going to stop here and just yeah. have a beer. And then you're like, Oof, yeah, I'm never drinking another beer from Oklahoma is, you know, I'm driving right through this state next time. I'm on the way to Texas. That's that's a good point. So do you think that there needs to be a market correction on craft beer? I think think it's about the, the... the potential for growth in the overall market share. Yeah. So no, as long as the craft beer industry keeps stealing market share from the mm-hmm. big boys, mm-hmm. there's room to grow. Okay. Now that stagnated a little bit. You know, they had the old marker 20% by 2020 and uh, getting close to that. But as the market share, well, it's hard, it's hard to beat that when Anheuser just keeps buying, you know, little breweries. Well, the, the thing about it is too, though, is even Budweiser's realized that, and um, you know, not to speak ill of anybody, I don't know if another beer will ever do what Bud Light's done. Mm. Um, I think that beer will be in the marketplace forever. Yep. Bud is dead. 
Really? It's a, just a dying brand. It, it's your dad's Schlitz. Uh, and <laughs> it, it might be here strictly from the power of marketing dollars and the fact that it's sure. ubiquitous and you can back it up. But it is, yeah. It's a, so, so the red can, the, the Budweiser can. I, I think so. Wow, really? It, it, I think that what you'll eventually see is that beer. I mean, there was a time, I'm going to blow the number, I know it, but I think in the late 80s, Budweiser was on its own was 47% of the market, Whoa. M- meaning that nearly one out of every two beers sold in the United States was a Budweiser. And, th- and this had been going on for a while, and it started to finally turn in the late 80s. You'll never, ever see that again, ever. Wow. Um, but to see the, the brand kind of to flip around, I, I think what you're going to see is Bud Light's going to stay. I think Bud will fall back really badly, and I think mm. Budweiser's already realized that. They're, they're spending a lot of money in other places. Sure. But there's nothing wrong with that. Um and then maybe it'll come back yeah. um, one day. It's kind of like like PBR came you, back. Yeah. I was just about to do. I was just <laughs> I love, about to do the same PBR. example. And thirty years from now, you'll you'll laugh. Forty years from now, your grandkid will be in, in college, and he'll be like, what, what, "You'll be like, what are you drinking?" He'll be like, "Dude, I got a bud. Check out this. Like, bud. Check, out, check out this bud. You know, it's, what? it's in the retro nineteen eighty five red, white, and oh, blue dude. can. <laughs> you know what I got? I got a pee. Yeah. So. <laughs> Wait a second. Was that a fart or a poop? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. You've been in this situation before. I know I have. Maybe not me, but Derek has. And guess what? When you think you're about to fart, but you actually poop your pants, you might need something in a pink bottle. Pepto-Bismo. Trademark Pepto-Bismo. Oh, well, thank you, Pepto Bismol. That was that was an easy one. You needed a Pepto break, right? I did need a Pepto break. Shout out That's to Pepto, nice. making uh, making things feel better since 1847. Yep. Uh, anyway, dude, you, you, you guys know that's called kidnap marketing, right? <laughs> <laughs> you kidnap it and you that's make it your own. Exactly. Yep. That's what our, our hope is. Pepto's going to come to us and be like, guys, this marketing is brilliant. It's Why genius. don't we just keep it going? That's what we're hoping for. Yeah. But okay, so two questions. We've had amazing conversation. About all this awesome stuff. But is anybody dry? I'm, I'm dry, You're man. You're dry? Are you dry? I, I would love a beer. Okay. Well, do you want to jump into the one you were telling us about? Uh, the, uh, the, 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 the double um, dead duck? The double dead duck. Yeah, absolutely. Should we Let, jump into that one? Let's pop that. That'll be let's a good Let's do one. that. Damn. And by the way, thank you so much for bringing these beers because you brought some special ones. Yeah, man. I told you guys, I get super excited about stuff like this. I'm a craft beer enthusiast. So just to let everybody out there who's listening know... So I, I didn't want to overdo it. I wasn't sure how much drinking was going to go on on this thing. So I did bring three beers. So I, I brought our uh, Double Dead Duck, which is our double West Coast IPA, and we'll get into that in just a second. But kind of a white whale beer for us. We, we spent a long time trying to get it made. We've only made it twice in seven years. Um, so that's cool. I brought my favorite beer that we make, which is called Chris Kale and Pale Dale, which we do in collaboration with my good buddy uh, Chris Kale, who's the bass player for Five Finger Death Punch. Yep. Uh, that's a little selfish beer because I love to drink it and I like to share it with people. Hell yeah. And then I wanted to do something special. When you guys had Bob on, the infamy that he brought was actually yeah. a, a personal gift that yeah. I gave to him that he shared with that's you. That's right. And, yeah. He did. And, uh, this right. show is incestuous too. Yep. And uh, so I wanted to bring something kind of special. Yep. And uh, it, it can close the show out probably because it might close you out if you've had a couple like of I hope it does. But I, like uh, it. I brought a, uh, we used to hand bottle some of our specialty stuff. So when we did the 2019 version of Double Barrel Honey Dip Stout, we hand bottled 
a very, very limited amount still in 2018. And I have three bottles left, and I brought one of them today for that's you guys to share. Awesome, that's a big man. deal, man. That is awesome. I'm, we like, are stoked. Like, I'm nervous to have you pop it. Like, that's kind of a big deal. I, I don't think wanna, I, I don't want to pop it. I think when I do, <laughs> angels will fly out and horns will sound. <laughs> yeah. Pretty sure. It'll be like a Monty Python thing. We'll pop it. It'll be like, woo. <laughs> is oh. it like that, that moment in Beer Fest when you drink it and you think, I just want to drink this and pee it out and drink it again? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Recycling at its <laughs> best. Right. Oh, let me ask you, uh, can or bottle, what do you prefer to drink out of? You know what, man? I'm going to tell you, I've been indoctrinated. I'm a can guy. Nice. I have been. How crazy so, is that how it switched uh, so fast? You know what? It, another thing, though. If you said that to the guys from Oscar Blues, they would take you outside and beat you with a wet rag. Because they love uh, their bottles. N- no, because they spent a decade trying to convince people oh, that cans, cans were the way to go. And... um so same thing. It's, it seems like it just happened all of a sudden. Oh, my goodness. Now everything's in 16-ounce cans. Now everything's in aluminum cans. Now everything's available. And uh, shout out to the guys from Oscar Blues. They were really probably the first brewery in the country that made a full commitment to putting stuff in cans. Wow. I'm going to give you a little history right now because I'm proud of it. I'm oh, proud of it. Derek, okay. bringing the knowledge. Check this out. So my last name is Kruger, and I get a bunch of crap, you know, for Freddy Kruger, right? But it's cool, though. beer history-wise... Kruger Brewing, back in the day, was the first brewery to introduce the can. What? There you go. Boom. Where, where was Kruger Brewing based out? It was in the Midwest somewhere. Okay. All Ohio, right. Illinois. I can't remember. I feel like you need to dig into the history on this, man. Oh, tr- I, I have, but my memory's terrible. Oh, oh so, so, so you would normally know this. I would but normally we, You've know. had like three beers and, you know. Well, no, even in general, I could read it and know it like the back of my hand <laughs> the next day I wake up. That's it. I know I read something about Kruger Brewing. It's yeah. possible we've had too many beers over the course yeah. of this podcast. But look it up. Though. That's it's cool, though. Pre- it's pretty cool. That's they, awesome, They were the man. first brewery to introduce the can. Yeah, and, and then the uh, the old expression there, I guess, came true, too. They always say uh, pioneers get slaughtered, settlers prosper. So they were the pioneers. They, they're not around. They got exactly. slaughtered. Yep. And then uh, Oscar Blues was the settler and kind of did it, and they prospered. Yep. That's yep. awesome. But hey, Wait, cheers so, to Kruger Brewing. Yeah. yeah. No, cheers. <laughs> cheers. And cheers. Cheers to, to the can. This. Cheers to the can. Yeah. And cheers to, the and to Abel Baker. Duck. Yes. Yeah. See, to me, like... Wait till you put it down. You get that really nice, piney, super bitter back note on the end. Um, a little bit of malt to balance it out. Um, but, you know, we get a good ABV out of this, too. Uh, so if, if you want to talk about the beer for just a second, I'll go through it a little bit. Please. please so, dude. And by the way, I just, I, I got to tell you, I'm a San, I grew up in San Diego. My, my beer, you know, I, that was my stomping ground. This beer is West Coast, man. Yep, this feels good. This brings me home. Yep. I feel like I'm home. I can do this. Yeah. This is good. Thank you, man. It, it doesn't have that crazy skunk. Like, nope. it doesn't. It's dry. It's nice. Yeah. Nice. It, it, this is, All right. So when we, when we did this beer, the first beer festival we ever did, we had a, a, you know, we came up with the idea for the beer. So, uh, but we couldn't really, we made it, but we couldn't really make it right. So we spent a long time really trying to figure it out. And this is a, a, a brand and a, an idea that I was super, super passionate about. And we really efforted to get this beer out. And this is one of the few times where I actually walked into a store, saw this on a shelf, and took a minute to really kind of 
reflect and be able to soak awesome. it in because it, it was a cool moment. Um, one of the things I'm most regretful about opening the brewery was not really taking the time when the tap room opened to sit down one night and enjoy just pop it. a beer and, and really, really enjoy it. So uh, when this hit the shelves, I kind of took a minute to just kind of stand there and go, okay, this is pretty cool. Kind of take it all in for yeah, a little bit. That had to be the neatest feeling, man. I mean, like that's something you like. How cool is that? Yeah. That had and, to be awesome. And, and I'm super passionate about this beer too. And the West Coast IPA is making a huge comeback. Um we, we we wanted to help push that by doing this super, super good double. Um, like I said, it finishes the way I like a double to finish. It finishes dry. It finishes piney. It finishes yes. bitter. There's enough malt there, so it's not just a hot bomb. Mm. And we back it up with a pretty solid ABV. And uh, this beer did really well, man. We put it out. Great reaction to it. And uh, the West Coast Double might be my favorite style of beer. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of... Really, really high ABV barrel aged beers with you know thick viscosity and a nice mouthfeel. But the 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 double West Coast might be my favorite style. That's awesome. I, I am a huge fan. I mean, this is incredible. And and honestly, I feel like I haven't done my research here because I don't think I've had this and I don't think I've seen it around. Is it widely distributed? No, no, no. So what we did is uh this was actually a tap room only release for a while. Uh, so we only did the cans uh at the tap room. We did wind up releasing a few to select locations around. Um, and they may still be there, but we, we did this as a small run and, you know, you want to keep this beer fresh. It needs to be gone in 90 days after you make it. So we don't want it languishing around. Sure. And that was kind of the idea. So that's probably why you didn't see it. We yeah. sold the predominant amount of it through the tap room and we only made a few kegs. I think maybe four went out. Okay. Um, so we kind of kept this one to ourselves. Yeah. Um, you know, we'll build a little hype for it. So when we bring it back next year, yeah. maybe people will be really looking for it. And, yeah. and that's kind of the goal. And uh, it's it's just a it's just a great brand addition for us, man. I love it. Uh, you know, we we do a lot of the stuff with the ducks. Everybody knows. Love but it. if you'll take a look at the logo on this one, we actually took the rubber duck, gave him a red mohawk and a gas mask. That's awesome. So we get to punk rock him up a little bit, which is a cool thing for me. And cool. uh, just super, just super fun brand. And like I said, that is kind of my style. And when I think IPA, if you ask me, that's what I think of. Um, like I said, I don't. I love juicy stuff. I love double dry hopped, double hazies as well. Yep. Um, but for me, when I sit down and I really enjoy an IPA, this is the flavor profile that I want. Okay. So can I ask you? Did you did you write the copy on the back of this? I did. You did. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Can I read it to the audience? Feel free. All right. This is the legacy of Double Dead Duck. In another nod to the perseverance of our favorite duck, this West Coast style double IPA is hopped to atomic proportions and designed to destroy the existing IPA landscape. Our 2X hop explosion will cause you to sift through the rubber rubble of inferior beers, longing for the days when IPAs tasted like this. Red Mohawks are optional. That's a call out to the punk rock side. Mm -hmm. Love it. Uh, red Mohawks are optional, but you'll need your gas mask to enjoy a pint of this hoppy ale. It's 8.5%. 70 IBUs, and this has got to be one of my favorite beers immediately. Like, it's fantastic. And I'm not just saying that because you're here, dude. Like, no. seriously, this is this is my style. I love it. Uh, again, I love hazies. I love almost anything, you know, that has a, a pretty good hop to it. But this is smooth on the back yeah. end, too. Like, it's not going to linger. It's not going to hang around. You got some of that pininess. You got just that really, f just a nice finish. I am, I'm digging this, man. 
Thank you. I appreciate it, man. Like I said, it's it was a very important beer to us. And the stuff about the rubble and stuff is because um, so when we do the Atomic Duck brand, the skyline of Nevada uh, or the Strip is in the background. So in this one, if you'll see, it looks like the Strip's been blown up with an atomic bomb and that's it's all kind right. of shattered. It does. So that's the way for that. So yes. uh, we'll get some good pictures of this, and it'll be on the social for sure. Yeah, it's it's a it's a great piece of of mythos, you know. Yeah. yeah. And uh, what's what's really cool about it that I didn't even know is the first beer festival we did. I hate to keep going back to it and referencing, but uh, my, my business partner, I wanted to, we had the six foot duck mascot. You know, I, I had the, our um, serving models dressed up in post-apocalyptic punk. So they looked like they were from tank girl. <laughs> oh, wow. And I had all these rubber ducks and I'm like, Hey, I'm going to take these rubber ducks and I'm going to throw them out to the crowd. Yeah. And he's like, that's just, what, why? Like, why are we doing that? And he's like, it's, what does it mean? Yeah. And I'm like, it's just cool. Like it will throw rubber ducks out. People yeah. will bring them back. And we wound up going with a different thing where you traded a duck in for a secret beer, but I wound up doing it, man. I got to tell you, I had no idea the power of the rubber duck dude, or the duck icon. subculture that's yep. out there. I had no, had no concept of it. It's dude. an icon, man. It, it is. is an icon. People I'm, know it. I mean, obviously people know your beer. But again, I mean, we talked about this before the show. When yeah. Derek and I go to Abel Baker, we get the sample. We we know what beer we want, but we still get the sampler platter because we need the duck. We love the duck. I have ducks all over the house. <laughs> and Not we, even down here. Like upstairs, everything. When, when when Same thing when we built the flight tray to start. Uh, I'm, I'm like, hey, I'm going to put a rubber duck on every flight. Yep. A few people were like, why would we do that? Because it's and, awesome. And I'm like, because it's awesome. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, the minute that we did it, it's it's just the reaction to it was crazy, mm. and the fact that we changed the rubber ducks out yes. so 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 frequently, and they they're kind of like collectible items, and and really what it is, it, it's really a storytelling element. It's mm. a physical tieback to a story. So it's like when you come in and you get your flight, and say you get the gingerbread duck, right? Mm-hmm. You know when you see that gingerbread duck, I was probably at Abel Baker around Christmas time, yep. right? Yep. And then that duck brings back all the memories of that Christmas of your visit. Whether you want it to or not, you can't help it. And I never really, I got to admit, we fell into that one with a little bit of luck. I just wanted to have the ducks because I thought they were cool. Yeah. And I didn't really see them as this portal to really cool memories. The other thing that's been great is is we're a, a family-friendly venue. And uh, we keep a, a rubber duck um, uh, pail behind the bar. Yeah. And when we first started having families in, you know, kids, they, they come to the brewery. We have food for them. We have non-alcoholic root beer. We have different things. But they can get rambunctious. They want to run around. They want to sure. do things. and. I would see parents like struggling to like contain them so they can enjoy the beer. And I just walk over with this bucket of rubber ducks and be like, Hey, would you like to look through this? The kids would dig through, pick out three or four rubber ducks. And literally for the next hour, like four little pieces of plastic would keep them transfixed. And the moms and dads would be like shooting me the thumbs up from across the room. Like, thank you so much. And just the other day I had a buddy out at the bar and, and we were having a meeting and, and he, his daughter was at home and he's like, Hey, do you, you know, I kind of got this basketball duck. Do you mind if I get a different duck? Heck no, man. So I went, got the thing for him, let him pick out a couple. Two hours later, he texts me and he's like, this is my daughter right now. <sighs> and she's got all the ducks lined up and they all have popcorn and oh, they all, and they all geez. have tea oh, and nice. she, and she won't put them away. <laughs> and, he, and he's like, you were right, man. This thing's crazy. She won't put them away. Yeah. And then the next day he's like, she slept with the rubber ducks wow. like they were in, in the bed. And it just, that kind of stuff I never understood, but it's a really cool thing, man. Cause yeah. it's fun. And, and that's what that's supposed to be about. The story is great. Yes. And for us on the branding side, it, it's awesome. But really it's about the fact that when you get that duck, you know that we're trying to have a 
good time. We're not taking ourselves too serious. Like this is, this is pretty harsh imagery. It really is, you know, an obliterated skyline. There's a, a, you know, an atomic bomb on there, the ducks wearing a gas mask. So, you know, for my generation, that means zombies and video games and, I don't take it serious, but for no. other generations, people were hiding under desks. Their their families went off to war, mm-hmm. and I'm cognizant of that. So what we really want to do is soften that and show mm-hmm. people that, hey, we're, we're not taking ourselves too seriously. We have a great respect for the history of this, yep. but we also want to show that we can have a good time and have yeah. fun. That's so awesome, that, that that's really what the duck does is it balances all that stuff out for us. It no, does. I, 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 and I love that. Like I love Chot- – Chotsky is the wrong word because it's not. It's, it's like it's, an, it's a talisman, it's, man. It's a talisman. Talisman. Because literally, I mean, you're so right. Like, I can look at this and I know exactly where I was, like, when I got it, in mm-hmm. the fun memories I had with it. And I love stuff like that. Well, you can only kind of remember it. Well, yeah. But depending on how much you. Yeah, it depends. <laughs> yeah. But, but, but you definitely but, know you got that one at Christmas. I mean, yeah. it that's a pretty Christmas duck. Yes. But, but no, it's just, it's so cool to me because I love, I love that, like, I always say beer or, you know, I guess, you know, whatever kind of drinking you're doing, right? You, you, you go to a brewery with buddies to celebrate. You mm-hmm. go to a brewery with buddies to, you know, like maybe something bad happened and you're there together talking. Like my favorite quote by anybody is Frank Sinatra. And his quote goes, Oh, I know this one. Yep. Uh, I feel bad for people that don't drink because when they wake up in the morning, that's as good as they're going to feel all day. All day long. That's right. Speaking that's right. of that, <laughs> I think got, it's time. You, you I think, think it's time. time. I think it's time. I think it's time. I think it's, time. Yes. I think it's also time for Ooh. a quick Pepto Bismol break. Yep. Wait a second. Was that a fart or a poop? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. You've been in this situation before. I know I have. Maybe not me, but Derek has. And guess what? When you think you're about to fart, but you actually poop your pants, you might need something in a pink bottle. Pepto-Bismo. Trademark Pepto-Bismo. Thanks, Pepto. Once again, coming in clutch with uh, the most amazing... I mean, I always feel good with Pepto. We we have to give them their commercial time. Um, Not that they've paid for it. This show is not brought to you by Pepto-Bismol or any of their affiliates. Uh, (laughs) We just hope that they do one day. Because it sure helps us out, Pepto. You help us out when we're in need, and we want to be there for you, too. I think they need to put Pepto-like stands by the beer aisle. It's perfect. I don't know. Marketing marketing little idea. Take it. Use it. We'll figure it out. Maybe a Pepto-flavored beer. Mm. Oh. oh, my God. Man. Now I, we're talking about a milkshake yes. in a whole different direction. Oh, that that sounds like a heavily that. fruited sour to me. <laughs> Definitely. You know what that sounds like? That sounds scary. That sounds, and speaking of scary, yes. we need Manos here to, to kind of... I mean, it's a heck of a segue, man, dude. I, I, I gotta tell you, <laughs> I, looking at this, looking at you, Manos, I like, I automatically think you're not afraid of anything. Like you look like you could just kick butt and like nah. nothing would phase you. I, I got I got some fears. I got stuff I'm scared at. I actually had to to come down between choosing between two and 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 chose the one that's probably been more ubiquitous throughout my life. So All I right. chose that one. I'm excited. Okay. Well, you you, you got to tell us about that one. But if you want to feel if you want to share the second one later on, you're more than welcome to. We always love to get into the depths yes, of the fear. Depths. I got to tell like here's the thing, and you know Derek and I have now done this for I don't know 40 episodes or so. I, I got to say, no one's fear has totally shocked me. No. Like, no one's fear has totally shocked me. And, and a lot of times, I don't really have a great reason for it. Yeah. But I think you might. I think you might have a good reason for it. Because we talked a little bit about this before the show. But, yep. we, you know, it's time for another beer. But before we get to that, why don't you tease what that fear that you settled on is? 
Um, so let's just say that this uh, this next beer we taste might leave you in stitches. Oh, Ooh, that is the best tease perfect. I've had in a Damn. minute. Oh, dude. All right. We're going to get to this next beer. Okay. Let's open it. All right. So it is beer time. Now that we've got actually the best teaser in the history of the show for what a fear is. Easily. Because we don't even know totally what it is yet. No. But we got an idea. He could be afraid of beer from that statement. I mean, he could, there's a lot of things. He'd be in the wrong line of business if that's the case. <laughs> yep. But they do say, you know, you got to take your fear head on. That's so, true. You know I, what I mean? I could be afraid of macrame. Yeah. See? <laughs> there you go. It's a very specific fear <laughs> very today. specific. <laughs> All right, Rock. So you have brought us yet another amazing beer. Uh, can you can you walk us through what you got? Yeah. So uh, I actually wanted to bring you guys something. And this is a beer I like to have. So this, believe it or not, is actually my favorite beer that we make. So I bought a beer called Chris Kale and Pale Dale. Um, so technically, this is an Imperial Brown Rye Ale. Mm. I'm a big fan of rye in both whiskeys, bur- you know, whiskeys mm. and beers. And uh, we amp up the rye on this one a lot. It's definitely noticeable. It's a flavor characteristic of the beer. Adds a little spicy note on the back end. It's really cool. Uh, this has got a double digit ABV. It's dark, oh boy. It, but it's drinkable. Yeah. yeah. Now, I, is I will, it a session? Is this this is not a this session. Is not a session. <laughs> I will tell you, this is one that you do not work on machinery after you've been drinking. <laughs> yeah. A couple of these, and in, in, in you'll definitely notice it. But I, I love to have them. It's in cans because I used to can it myself and take it home or bottle oh, it shit. myself and take it home. Yeah. And I, I just love the beer. For me, it's everything a beer is. It's unique. Yeah. Um, it's it's got a nice body to it. It's not thin. I can drink a couple of them, and mm. they all they all taste good. It never gets cloying, mm. and uh, I just really enjoy it. I think you guys are going to dig this. And within the Vegas market, this is really cool too. A lot of people have told me they think this is the best year round product in oh, the market in really? Las Vegas. Interesting. Right. It, not not that it's going to make everybody happy. Yeah. But just that it's unusual for a brewery yeah. to keep a beer like this in the market all the time, and yeah. we do, and yeah. I love it. And it it it's it's been a great beer for us. So we're just gonna. Oh, there's that noise. That's, it's okay, the best. You, you, said That's a, the best. you said a word uh, when you describe cloing. What so is that? What, yeah. what does that mean? So it just means that like if you have something that has a flavor profile in it, like say you're supposed to taste chocolate or you're supposed to taste rye, and it gets overdone, it'll start to clow on you. It'll start to build up. So the more that you have of it, the less you like it. Yeah. So uh, okay. the, it's okay. important to keep that note like chocolate or coffee or rye and have it consistently taste good without moving your palate to the point where it gets desensitized or doesn't want it anymore. Okay. <laughs> my, my favorite word that I've learned is, you know, this oh, beer no. is... Oh, no. <laughs> Stuart knows what it is. This beer is going to tickle my latissable. I love that. I hate that word. It's fantastic. <laughs> nice. There's no definition yet. Zane, Zane Lamprey just, wasn't a big fan of that Zane word Zane Lamprey was not a big fan. Um, but, okay, so I got to read this. I got to read got, we got the copy on this. Yeah, yeah, feel this free. Is, this this one's great. a little bit different. Okay. So this is a Chris Kale Impaled Ale. You wrote this one, right? Okay. A deceptively smooth Imperial Brown Rye Ale, brewed in honor of our good friend Chris Kale. This high ABV beer is aged in on, sorry, this high ABV beer is aged on oak and to honor Chris's Kentucky roots, designed to invoke bourbon flavors. Barrel-aged enthusiasts and music lovers alike will enjoy this collaborative effort. Beautiful. That's it. Beautiful. And, uh, you know, Chris is from Kentucky. Uh, like I said, if anybody out there doesn't know what Chris looks like, um, when we did this beer for him, it would have been impossible for us to put out a 3.5% peach sour. Oh, That's just not what Chris looks like. <laughs> so we, we knew we had to have a big, bold, strong 
uh, you know, kind of powerful beer, and that was the idea behind this. Chris and, uh, Kale's crispy sour, exactly. <laughs> what, <laughs> what, what was it going to happen? So this is kind of the beer that that fits that fits Chris's style, so to speak. Yep. Same thing, dark black can. There's skulls on the can. Yeah, you know the beers. Some people have always joked with me. Well, why why in Paledale? And I'm like, because it rhymes with kale. Like, yeah. he's perfect. Some it's, things just work, okay? Some things just work. Did you grow up with Dr. Seuss? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. There's a Nero in your bureau. Uh, yeah. But, you just uh, got to go with it sometimes. It just worked. But cheers. Let's try, yeah. let's try it. Let's, let's taste it. it. Cheers, guys. That's what I'm talking about. Silky mm. smooth mouthfeel. Mm. You still get a little bit of the alcohol. You get the rye. You get some dark malts. But it's smooth. And there's nothing left when you're done. Dude, yep. That's what I mean yeah. by no clove. Yeah, yeah. It, it's you know. Sorry to cut you off, but you no. know, like it's crazy. I mean, you say double digits, it's ten ten percent, yep. right? This tastes nothing yep. like ten percent. This is dangerous. Yeah, it drinks like a six and a half percent. Holy porter. cow, man! It's easy. It's too easy. Jesus. And this is just a beer that for me as a beer lover, I could drink every day and I'd never get tired of it. Yeah, it's great with food. Yeah. Um. You know, now I, I like to drink beers at shows. I don't know if I could pack back four of these at a at a at a Dead Kennedy show, but yeah. you know, it's uh it's definitely something that I dig. And and uh, this beer's got a great backstory too. If you guys want to hear it, please. So Chris and I, no, been... I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. But with Chris, when we did this, uh, they uh, so you know we had worked together, and uh, the idea for the beer was kind of just really spontaneous. Um, so Chris kind of had this moment where he felt like he, you know, well, not he felt like, but he kind of made it. So you know he's torn with five finger, and they come back home to play the joint at the Hard Rock, one of my favorite nice. venues in Vegas. Amazing, great amazing. Venue. And uh, you know Chris had worked for the Hard Rock, and you know they have all the memorabilia on the wall. And uh, they they told him like, hey, bring your stage played bass after the show. We're gonna put it up on the wall at the Hard Rock. Mm. And he was just thrilled to death about that, you know. And it is that's a cool accomplishment. Did, did he go work the bar for just a little no, bit? Just to, he, just he for didn't. old, you know. He old did not. <laughs> but but I will tell you this: I did work a gig with him one time where he left the bar and played a spot with Todd Kearns, who tours with um, Slash, Mm. and with uh, Brett Muscat from Faster Pussycat, and got up on stage and did two songs while he was supposed to be bartending with me. (laughs) And uh, when he got done, Todd Kearns grabbed the the mic and goes, "Uh, who knew that the best rock star in the whole place is serving drinks? Because Chris (laughs) is just that good on stage and super talented, and Todd's a polite guy. Yeah. but so we were, he, he's like, hey, they're going to put my bass on. So I'm talking to him about it and he's super excited. And he just texts me and he's like, hey, man, I really want to do something special. A lot of my mm-hmm. friends are going to be there. Some of my family's going to be there. You know, what can I do? And uh, I just kind of took it upon myself. So without telling him at all, I wrote a recipe, brewed a beer, made a label, fermented it out, bottled it, made three cases of it for the night. Holy cow. So a couple of days before they're going to do it, um, I tell him, I was like, yeah, I got a surprise for you for this event. You're going to have a gift for basically every person who comes there. And he goes, well, what are you bringing? And I said, I brewed you your own beer. And he's like, what? And I'm like, yeah, I got a label with your face on it. It's hilarious. Like everyone's going to do it. And so every person who comes in, when they check in, we're going to give them a bottle of beer as like a souvenir. And he's like, was it drinkable? And I'm like, yeah, but people are just going to want to keep it. Yeah. So told him about it and we set it up. And uh, the day came, you know, he, he, he does the show. The show is great. Comes off stage. They dedicate his base, friends and family there. Great event. And everybody who checked in, Chris wanted to give them a little something. So they had like a little pin and then they got a beer. Mm. Well, people, of course, started popping the beers and drinking them. And this is great. This is delicious. So uh, the next day, Chris texts me. He's like, hey, man, that was really cool. It was really kind. 
can we do this for real? And I'm like, you say the word, dude. dude. And so we just kind of fell that way. But I will tell you this, which is another thing that's nuts. So the honey dip stout that we're going to drink next, mm-hmm. we brewed that beer at home over 40 times wow. before we settled on the recipe that you guys get today. Wow. That's, that's how many Whoa. times it took to get it to be what we how, felt was how, perfect. How long does that take? That was over the course of about four years. Wow. To, Which is that it yeah, the beer is amazing. Perfection takes time. It really oh does. Oh my gosh. And and that's well that's why that beer is the way that it is, is because mm. we every nook and cranny of that beer has been discovered. Dude. Rarely ever, rarely ever do you make a world class beer and Chris Kellen Peldale is a world world class beer and get it right immediately. Yeah. Damn. What you're drinking in this glass is the exact same recipe that I wrote on a scratch sheet of paper. That's insane. In my bedroom that we brewed the first time. It's the exact same recipe. Dude, that's like is, a passion project. That yeah. is insane. So, okay. I, I could do it again a hundred times and I'd never get it right. Dude, <laughs> I don't know. I feel like you're a little uncomfortable with this right now. I, I'm Manos. cool. I'm not getting I'm yeah. not getting too twitchy. Thank goodness we had a couple beers All first. Right. That's right. But if you're trying to lean into the fear, I, I, think, so. I think it's yeah, time man, to address think, it. You think, think it's, it's time, time to, to address it? it. All right, I, I can totally do it. So, uh, So for the first time ever, we've got an episode that is so good, we're actually going to break it up into two episodes, just so we can get Pepto-Bismol more money. 